Hello everybody, it's good to see you. Matt Garner here, hope you're well. And um, we're spending a bit of time in the book of Acts at the moment, specifically a few sessions in Acts chapter three. And my last session, if you didn't hear it, I spoke from Acts chapter three, verse one, on the power of togetherness. And as this whole idea of Peter and John, the Bible tells us Peter and John went up together, verse Acts three, verse one, to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And we preached about the power of finding that iron that's gonna sharpen iron. And making a commitment to being a follower of Jesus is to make a commitment to being in Christian community and committing to togetherness. And I really believe not only is this powerful, but I also believe it's prophetic for us because I believe God wants to release a new level of power as we come together in intentional togetherness around who Jesus is. And today I want to talk to you something else, but let's read Acts chapter 3 verse 1 and, um, and then we'll go from there. Now Peter and John went up together to the, to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain lame man from his mother was, mother's womb was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask for alms to those who enter the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I've given to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And for the sake of time, we won't read the rest of the story, but he miraculously gets up off his bed. This man has been crippled. It's later revealed in chapter number four. He's been crippled for 40 years. He's a 40 year old man, which is a significant number because it was 40 years in the desert. It was 40 days of fasting. 40 is a number of completion. It's a number of like, it's done. This is a thing now. And so this man, there's no going back from him now that he's 40 in the Jewish um, audience's mindset. And so a little small detail that's dropped there that this man's 40 years old, but Jesus always has a way. And how this preaches, the preacher in me wants to just encourage someone prophetically that's listening to this right now to say, you might think it's over. The world have said it's not gonna be restored. It's impossible to be healed. The relationship can, will never work out. The, the, there's no coming back from this. It is impossible to turn around, but I want to declare to you today by the spirit of the living God that it is possible with God to those that believe. So keep holding on and keep believing for an outcome and for a breakthrough in Jesus. The Holy Ghost is real. The Holy Ghost is powerful and he wants to come upon you right now in Jesus' mighty name. Jesus' mighty name. I want to focus on this verse number one. We're back there again on the hour of prayer, the hour of prayer. You know, we've got to be observant in reading the Bible because each detail is attempting to show us something about the who, the how, about the why, about the where, about the when of Jesus. But 
not only is it showing us about the who, why, where, everything about Jesus, it's also trying to communicate the who, the how, the where, the why, the when, and the what that we are meant to be in him. Jesus is the one that we take our example from and we follow Jesus way, not the world way. We don't follow, we, we are inspired by, and we can also use um, as, as, as an example of inspiration, uh, men and women of God that we are connected to or know or have gone before us. But we are not, we, we, are, we are hooked in and we are focused on following Christ's example. Why? Because that leader that you're following and that you're inspired by, that's written all the books and got the TV show and is on YouTube and all that. He's flawed. I'm flawed. They're broken. They're potentially going to stuff up and let you down in certain ways. But Jesus is perfect in every way. He will never let you down, nor will he leave you, nor will he, he forsake you. And so we're learning about who he is. And equally so, we're learning about who he wants us to be. And it's commonly and theologically known as we as we gather around Acts chapter 3 verse 1 and this idea of the hour of prayer. It's, it's general consensus amongst most scholars that the apostles continued to live out a very Jewish way of life. This included so many things and things related to the law. We know this because it took significant Holy Spirit invent, intervention to Paul and to Peter to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Something that we now uh, take for granted. But you remember, uh, you remember how just to eat meat that was classified as unclean to the Jewish people. Man, Peter had to have a significant encounter from the Holy Spirit to bring that change. So in other words, they're maintaining their Jewish way, their Jewishness, their culture. Uh, we know that Jesus didn't come to cancel the law. He came as a, the fulfillment of the law. And so now the apostles are navigating this new life there through whilst living this old life. It included um, all their liturgy, really. And as they continued, as their forefathers did, to go to the temple daily to pray twice a day, they'd pray at about 9 a.m. and about 3 p.m. every single day. But the difference is, is now the temple, now the temple, now prayer, now their liturgy, which is their way of worship, it's been wildly revolutionized as their eyes have been opened by the Spirit to the fulfillment of the law through Jesus. Man, this is powerful. So their attendance and their prayer has been awoke. Their attendance and their prayer, uh, they haven't stopped doing those things, but it has a different, um, it's, it's been enlightened. Now they're seeing Jesus in everything. And what is important for us to notice is the rhythm of their life. I believe it's impossible for you and I to be powerful people in the spirit and to see the kingdom of God coming to our worlds without being people of prayer. We must be people that have our lives 
our lives must be um, must follow the rhythm and the advice, if you like, the 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 um, what's the word I'm looking for? We must we must follow the example set for us out of the book of Acts Church because we see that they are devoted people of prayer. I was reading a Leonard Ravenhill book who was speaking on prayer and revival. And gee, it was convicting, but he said something along the lines of, if you're a pastor or a preacher and you're not praying a minimum of two hours a day, uh, it was kind of like, don't show up to work. (laughs) And, um, you know, whilst we believe in God's grace and God's anointing and all those sorts of things, and um, it's challenging because we've been so conditioned by the culture that just just spend five minutes, just spend two minutes, just to, just attend on a Sunday, and that's all you need to do. And this isn't about achieving God's love. This isn't about performing so that God will love you. This is about understanding that God loves you so much that His grace is already sufficient for you, prayer or no prayer. But it's about a devotion, a radical devotion to being a follower and to being someone that is wildly in love with Jesus. So it's important that we've got to notice the rhythm and the practices of the New Testament church. We've got to notice the rhythm of their life. And this is why I just want to talk about the ninth hour of prayer. And I want to point out to you that they were devoted. They were committed. They were there every single day at the temple praying. And I suppose if we then kind of take that and use it as a mirror to shine back on what our own prayer life looks like, and I'm preaching to myself right now, what does your prayer life look like? See, because I I suppose another thing that's important to acknowledge is that the rhythm of your life is anchored in what you value. It's anchored in what you value. Let me say that again. The rhythm of your life is anchored in what you value. So what you value will determine what the rhythm of your life looks like. I'm a father of four kids from the ages of 14 to three at this point in time as I, as I record this, some birthdays coming up soon. But the truth is, is I go out of my way, I become, uh, we've entered into that stage of parenting called the human Uber or taxi service as our kids have this and dance recitals and basketball training and swimming and all these different sorts of things. But to be honest with you, because of my value and my love for them and wanting what's best for them, because of my deep love and commitment to them and to their future, the sacrifice and the inconvenience is easy. And so I'm prepared to disrupt my the preferences of my own rhythm in life for them because of my love for them. And so if we're if the point is is that the rhythm of our life is anchored in what we value and we don't have a prayer life and we don't we're not in the word every day and we're not um, committed to, to being and to, to to stopping at nine and three or whatever those moments are for you on a daily basis not a weekly, like we've dumbed it down too much. We've just said, come to church once a week. No, I'm, I'm over that. It's crap. I'm trying to, uh, I want to, I want to encourage you to be someone that shifts your values. 
And we'll, let's talk about that in a minute. But before we do, let's just talk about a few other things. Why? Because I believe that there's a, a demonic disruption, a significant demonic disruption happening to the rhythm of Jesus' followers at the moment. I believe that in the pursuit of a new wineskin and God releasing something new into the church, we must not abandon or allow disruption to affect or determine our devotion. Did you hear that? In the pursuit of a new wineskin, we must not abandon or allow the disruption or allow disruption to affect and determine our devotion to Jesus. The Bible must determine our rhythm and our devotion. Culture must not win the war for our rhythm. It must not win the war for what we value. It must not win the war on what at the, our practice as a believer and as a follower of Jesus looks like. What were these men doing? going to do twice a day that we're going to pray what, what, what they weren't marketed or coerced to some conference with the latest christian guru nothing wrong with conferences they weren't even attending a weekly service of worship they weren't attending a second session of they, they sorry they were attending a second session of prayer for that day and sacrifice in the temple that's what they were doing. They were attending a time of prayer. See, I believe that we've sold you short. Can I just be honest? We're calling you to a devotion of weekly services. Come on, be here next week. Come on, come next week. Come next week. Come next week. Come next week. Be here on Sunday. Sunday, 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 Sunday. I believe calling you to a devotion of weekly services is actually selling you short. It is selling you short of so many things. It is actually um, it is actually robbing you of walking with Jesus on a daily basis. It is calling you to a devotion of weekly services is selling you short. It's an underestimating the devotion and the love for Jesus that you are capable of. Men of God, we must call the church, men and women of God, we're gonna call the church to a higher standard of devotion. One that goes way beyond just weekly attending of a Sunday service to one that is at the altar on a daily basis. And that altar is not the front of a church building, that altar is your home, it's your bedroom, it's your office. It is wherever you are. You are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Stop looking for the Holy Spirit to rock up in the temple, the church building. That's not the temple. That temple was gone. You, there's a new temple now and you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so wherever you are, God wants to move for you and in you and through you. And I want to call you to a higher, if you're just a Sunday attending Christian, I want to call you to a higher level of devotion. I want you to start asking some radical big questions about your life. What does my following of Jesus look like? Because I believe that this is just a, a significant issue and problem in the church today. We've set the bar way too low. We've timidly asked you just to attend Sunday services once a month, twice a month, 
all the church growth experts throughout America and Australia say people come somewhere between two and and um, come every kind of second or fourth week once a month. And so we're just trying to say, can we get you there one more week? And it's self-sabotages the very message of being a follower of Jesus. Because Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you've got to lay down your life. You've got to take up your cross and you've got to follow me. And so I feel the call and the pull in my heart today to call you to a radical devotion of following Jesus. Uh, And this is where I as a preacher must repent because I believe that we've weakened the church as we've kept her immature by calling her, calling you to what is popular rather than calling you to what is divine and what is radical and what Jesus is worthy of. Jesus is worthy of your Sunday attendance, but he is worthy of your devotion to him every single day. And so the question that I wanna leave with you right now. I know this has been a strong message, but the question that I wanna leave you with, you with right now, and I want, you to, I want you to think about this today. In what way does my devotion to Jesus resemble the New Testament church's devotion to Jesus? What does my devotion to him, does it, is it worthy of him? And here's like the crazy thing, man. The crazy thing is that you can't just flip a devotion switch and be devoted to him. It doesn't work like that. Willpower is not the way God has designed you to live out your devotion. A discipleship that exclusively relies on discipline is going to fail. Do we need to be disciplined? Yes. But a discipleship that is driven out of an intimate love, value. Remember what you value. The rhythm of your life is determined by what you value. Okay. So I want your discipleship. I believe it's biblical that your discipleship flows out of an intimate love and connection with Jesus rather than exclusively disciplined. Are you going to need to be disciplined in some areas? Absolutely. But your devotion to Jesus cannot flow just from that alone. You'll burn out. That's works. So you can't have an Acts 2.42 type of devotion. Well, the Bible says that in Acts 2.42, it says, and they, speaking of the church, devoted themselves to a few things, the apostles teaching, to the breaking of bread, to communion, to uh, prayer. Um, and but, but the point is, is that you can't have an Acts 2, 42 devotion to Jesus without an Acts 1, 8 encounter or an Acts 2, 1 encounter with Jesus. And so what's the solution? The solution is changing what you value. And friend, God in his goodness right now wants to move in your heart. And would you just take the moment right now to open up your heart and to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and move in your life in power. Come on, repent of not putting him first right now. 
repent of putting materialism and money and career and family and culture. Repent and lay those things down before the Lord and ask for his forgiveness and say, Lord, I haven't followed you in the way that I should. I need to live a life that is worthy of the upward calling in Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, as I repent, I ask that you would unlock times of refreshing in my life where I would truly sense your glory and your power. Lord, help me with my devotion because sometimes, like Paul said, there are things I want to do that I don't do and the things I don't want to do, I do do. And so I really need your presence and your power. I need you, I need you, Holy Spirit. I need your glory to come and touch me in a fresh way. I need you. I need to know you more. Reveal to me, Jesus, Holy Spirit. I'm not on fire, but I can't make up fire. I need a fresh baptism of your anointing. And so I ask for that to come right now in Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Fill me with your glory. Amen and amen. Hey, bless you and thanks for watching. See you next time.